Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Hello and welcome to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan. We'll start off with an episode of NBC Short Story and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I don't have a date on this one, but we'll follow it up with the CBS Radio Workshop. We do have a date on this one, 1956. Figure Fallop's Million Dollar Failure. Now, short story. NBC presents Short Story. Today, Robert Louis Stevenson. Robert Louis Stevenson, Scottish novelist, essayist, poet, and short story writer, is best known for his tales of fantasy and adventure and his romantic essays in the personal vein. One of his most famous stories we'll hear dramatized today, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which was first published in 1886. In this classic battle between good and evil, we find Dr. Jekyll, a man beloved by all for his philanthropic endeavors, and Mr. Hyde, who is positively loathsome and plunges into all manner of evil. You see, Dr. Jekyll has discovered a potion that... But that's part of our story, which will begin in just a moment. And now, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, by Robert Louis Stevenson. Every man is truly two beings, cursed with the struggle of good and evil within him. What would this duality be like, separated, each part living alone, the good companion, and then the pure and ugly evil of a man? Yeah, oh... That you, Poole? Yes, Dr. Jekyll. Then come in, come in. Did you get the salt? Yes, sir. Finally, sir. But only three pounds of it. It was all the chemist had. Good. It will suffice. Uh, thank you, Poole. Uh, anything else, sir? Hmm? Uh, oh, no. No, Poole. Good night. Uh, I beg pardon, sir. If I may ask, uh, is the experiment nearly done? I think so, Poole. This time, I think it's really... Nearly done. Ah, oh, splendid, sir. Cook would be glad to hear it, too. Yes, uh, good sir. night, yes. sir. Good night, good night. The acid. A gram of salt. Courage, Jekyll. Drink it. Drink it. street door of Dr. Henry Jekyll's house, from his laboratory. And it was this same door he entered again when the first light of dawn dispelled the night. But during the day, the house and the laboratory were quiet, 
while the master slept. That evening, Mr. Utterson, the lawyer, stood before the bright fire in the library. Dr. Jekyll had sent for him. This will is preposterous, Jekyll. I'm your lawyer, well, yes, there's but... nothing to be so concerned about, Utterson. Edward Hyde is a new friend of mine. I want to be sure he's provided for in case something happens to me, that's all. But nothing's going to happen to you. How could you just disappear, as you've stated in this testament? Well, now, how could I know that, Utterson? Well, it's strange, Jekyll, but if this is the way you want it... Hyde has captured my interest, Utterson. His well-being is the one thing uppermost in my mind. I want to be certain, in case something does happen to me, that Hyde will be financially secure to carry on. Mm, I see. Well, all right, Jekyll, as you wish. The will will be ready for your signature in a few days. I'll bring it around myself. Splendid, Utterson. Uh, now, what about that spot of wine? Uh, thanks, no. Uh, Dr. Lanyon's expecting me. Lanyon, huh? He was only asking about you the other evening, Jekyll. We see you so seldom these days. Well, I've been rather hard at it in the laboratory. Sure you can't stay. Uh, another time. Uh, good night, Jekyll. Uh, good night. Wonder who the devil this Edward Hyde is. Mr. Utterson was the first of many Londoners who were to wonder about the hideous specter like Mr. Hyde. Who were to fear the shadows of night because of him. One evening, nearly a week later... Here, here, young fellow. What's the matter? It's a monster, sir. He struck me with his cane. Help me, sir, please. There, 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 there. Nobody's going to hurt you. Now, where is this monster you speak of? He was right behind me, sir. All the way from Clement Street. Look, there, under the corner light. You'll not let him come at me again, will you, sir? Will you? No, no, my lad. No harm will come to you. Oh, sir. Uh, he's seen us now. Wait. By George, it is a monster. Look, sir, he's making for that doorway. The small one in the shadow, just there. So he is. Hey, here, fellow. Wait a minute there. Come along, my lad. But, sir, don't let him... It's all right now. Don't be afraid. Uh, you there. Uh, did you strike this child? If the ruffian molests me again, I'll strike him again. What, what kind of a devil are you? There's no gentleman but wishes to avoid a scene. It was an accident. Maybe this pound note will ease the boy's pain. Oh, no, no. Take it, lad. Now, if you'll excuse me. Now, wait a moment. And this door. Isn't this Jekyll's laboratory? You must be Mr. Hyde. I'm an old friend of the doctor's, uh, Utterson of Gaunt Street. You must have heard of me. I was just on my way to see Jekyll. How did you know I'm Mr. Hyde? Well, we have common friends. Who are they? Uh, Jekyll, for one. Come. Let me see your face, Mr. Hyde. How well shall I know you when we meet again? We shall not meet again, Mr. Utterson. Well, so that is Hyde. And now, my lad, run along. I've got a call to make. In this house, sir? Yes, but at the front door. I want to see if Mr. Jekyll's in. Uh, now, my lad, uh, you run along home, and don't let me catch you out on the dark streets like this again. Yes, sir, you won't, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Paul. Uh, good evening, Mr. Utterson. Dr. Jekyll home, Paul? I'm afraid not, sir. Mm, thought sure he'd be here at this late hour. And most gently he is, sir. I just saw that Hyde fellow go in by the laboratory door. Is that right, when Dr. Jekyll's away from home? Quite right, Mr. Utterson. Mr. Hyde has a key. Mm, your master seems to put a great deal of trust in him. Yes, sir, he does indeed. We all have orders to obey him, though we see him seldom. He mostly comes and goes by the street door and at night, sir. Well... Tell Dr. Jekyll I'd like to see him as soon as possible and give him these papers, will you, Poole? Yes. I was talking with him about them a few days ago. Yes, sir. Good night, Poole. Good night, Mr. Utterson. The sword, Mr. Hyde. Hurry. Mix it well. Pour the powder in slowly. Now, drink it. Look, that strength of good, Mr. Hyde. 
triumphant strength. Good. unclouding, straightening of your crooked, evil soul, the masking of an ugly idol in the glass. That's the last of you, Mr. Hyde. You'll never exist again. But... Is that you, Dr. Jekyll? Uh, yes, Paul. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I, I only just told Mr. Utterson that you were not at home. I came in by the laboratory door, Paul. But Mr. Hyde, sir... Mr. Hyde is gone. Oh, I see. Mr. Utterson left this paper envelope, sir. He asked also to see you as soon as possible. Well, thank you, Boo. Put it there. Shall I bring you some chocolate, sir? No. No, I'll go to bed. I'm very tired, Boo. I've been alone too much lately. What do you say to my taking your advice and having that dinner party? Oh, that would be like old times, sir. <laughs> we'll talk it over tomorrow. Splendid, sir. And, Poole, I don't think Mr. Hyde will be back again. Good evening. Come right in, sir. Dr. Lanyon and Miss Julie, come in. Hello, Jackal. Good to see you out of that shell after all these months. This isn't going to be one of those stuffy dinner parties, is it? <laughs> Pay no attention to him, Dr. Jekyll. Your hat and coat, Dr. Lennon. Oh, we, uh, yes, Poole. Uh, by the way, Jekyll. Yes. This is your walking stick, isn't it? Why, well, so it is. You went off with mine the last time you were over and left yours. Did I? I am sorry. Uh, look for Dr. Lanyon's cane, will you, Poole? Yes, sir. Of course, I'd rather have this one. I'm fond of canes and sherry. A little dog's head is nicely carved. Well, perhaps we'll arrange a swap someday. Well, Dr. Jekyll, good oh, evening. Good, sir. Andrew. Hello there. Where have you been hiding all these weeks? Hiding? Oh, right here, sir Andrew, right here. Well, we've missed you. Mrs. Fielding's dinners aren't the same without Dr. Well, Jekyll. Well, well, thank I you, must sir. say it's good to see you, Jekyll. Utterson. You're not evading me this time. Been trying to see you all week. Why, something on your mind? Uh, not here, old fellow. Come along. We can steal out a few minutes before dinner. But only a few. I've got a house full of guests, remember. Oh, uh, look. There's nobody here in the laboratory. Sit down. By the fire. My word. It does look like you've been working. Well, it takes a lot of equipment for chemical experiments. Now, what's up? You should know without asking. That will, of course. Oh, that. I don't like it, Jekyll. You never did. And especially since I've met your Mr. Hyde. Uh, He's a frightful uh, fellow, Jekyll. The other night... Let's not talk about it, Utterson. It's not as you fancy. I can be rid of Hyde the moment I choose. What? What's the matter? Uh -huh. Oh, uh, uh, I was just going to say, let's leave the will as it is. And will you promise me one thing? What's that? I still take a great interest in Hyde, and I only ask for justice for... You to help him if the time comes when I'm no longer here. Oh, the whole thing's preposterous, but well, it's a promise. I'll do my best. Well, look here, Jekyll. Are you ill? No. No, I... But... Your face, man. Your face... Don't look at me, Alison. Jekyll, wait a minute. He saw you, Mr. Hyde. My eyes. Let me alone. Let me alone. You've got to die and stay dead forever. You're afraid, Mr. Hyde. Afraid of him. Can you kill the strongest force in the world? You've got to have the strength of Hyde to murder the inordinate strength of Hyde. You can't kill me, Jekyll. The good in you can never kill. And I shall never die. Not as long as you can live. Our story continues after this brief pause.
And now, back to today's short story. such an old man. He's been murdered, Dr. Lanyon. Good Lord. It's Sir Andrew Carew. Looks like he was on his way to the post and some madman attacked him. Ah, uh, here are you. C- call an officer. Already been called. Uh, look at this. What is it? A walking cane. What the murder was done with, most likely. It's broke plumbing, too. Here. Let me see that. Heavy sort of cane. Easy to do a murder with that. How terrible. Some maniac's done this. That Mr. Hyde we've heard so much about, and some folks have seen. That's who's done it. Sherry mm. Kane, with a dog's head carved in the handle. Why, this is Dr. Jekyll's. Clark. Clark, let me have a room. Any room, quick. Uh, yes, sir, yes, sir, right away. And I want a note delivered immediately. Uh, will you register, sir? Uh, there's no time, I tell you. Give me a room and send me a messenger, quick. Uh, but... Hey, you I, 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 Do you want these fingers around your throat, or will you do as I say? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Sam, uh, show this gentleman up to 210 and wait for a note he wants delivered. Oh, my word, fingers around my throat. And by God, I, I really meant it. I cannot impress upon you too strongly the importance of this note, Dr. Lanyon. You have been a dear friend, and now my life is in your hands. Go immediately to my house. Poole will admit you. From my laboratory cabinet, remove the fourth drawer from the top, with all its contents intact, and take it to your house where a man will present himself in my name at exactly midnight tonight. You must not fail me. Henry Jekyll. What an extraordinary thing. Well, I've done as Jekyll said. Now we'll see. Oh, right on the dot. Who's there? There's me. Are you from Jekyll? Yes. Let me in. Glenn, you got me. I have, but... But look here. I don't know which time. I have the drawer. It's in my study, uh, through that door there. Uh, Where is it? There, on the table. Have you got a graduated glass? On the shelf beside you, but... What are you going to do? I am going to perform a miracle. Now, look here. Jekyll didn't say anything about... If this is some fiendish thing Jekyll's cooked up, I'll be no partner to it. Who are you, anyway? Look at you, Dr. Lanyon. Man, answer me. Who are you? You've already guessed that, haven't you? I am Mr. Hyde. Hyde, is your curiosity great enough to watch me drink this potion? What are you talking about? Get out of here, you you devil! If you watch me 
A new knowledge will be opened to you, Dr. Lanyon. And in this room, this instant, your sight will be blasted by a prodigy that would stagger the unbelief of Satan in himself. You're a madman. Uh, Get out of my house. Ah, now, watch, Dr. Lanyon. Now, watch. Jekyll. In heaven's name. It's you. The birth of a good man before your eyes. Now you see why I hid myself away all those weeks, Dr. Lanyon. Jekyll, what are you saying? At first, it took a strong draft of the formula to bring him to life. Weeks ago, that was... But now he's too strong. Now the Jekyll you see before you hasn't the power to keep him back. Two hours from now, Dr. Lanyon, I'll be Mr. Hyde again. And no strength of my will can stop it. Jekyll, you're mad. Leave me alone. I've got alone. more of the powder, Dr. Lanyon. In heaven's name, don't you see? I've got to find more of the powder. This was the last of it. Jekyll, have mercy. Let an old man alone. Together we can do it, Dr. Poole got the powder for me, but the shop where he got it has no more. It must have contained some impurity that did the trick. You've got to help me find out what that impurity was. Dr. Lanyon, you've got to help me murder this evil hide in my soul. Jekyll. Stop. What? Stop. Dr. Lanyon. Uh... Dr. Lanyon! No! Uh... wonder of your miracle, Dr. Zickel. You have killed him. The one man who could save your life is dead. God bless you, Mr. Addison, for coming so quickly. Oh, what on earth has happened, Paul? I'm sorry, afraid Dr. Jekyll's been murdered, sir. What? Murdered? Come with me, sir. Don't make a noise. We mustn't be heard. But where are you taking me? Here's a candle, sir. The Dr. Jekyll's laboratory. And if by any chance he asks you in, don't go, Mr. Addison. Don't go. But how could Jekyll be dead? Quiet, sir, I beg of you. You see, he's been in the laboratory all day, and he won't come out. And every time I knock, wait, and you shall see. Here's the door. What, what is it? Mr. Utterson, sir, asking to see you. Tell him I can't see anybody. Yes, sir. Oh, poor, that isn't... Well, that doesn't sound like Jekyll to me. No, sir, I'm glad to hear you say so, because Mr. Utterson, whatever is in there, cries to heaven uh, for help and wails and sobs. What are you driving at, Paul? Well, sir, it, it all began early this morning after they'd found Dr. Lanyon dead. Yes, yes, I saw him. Such terror in his face. Well, sir, it was sometimes Dr. Jekyll's way to leave orders on a sheet of paper outside this door. And since early this morning, sir, we've had nothing else except notes and a closed door and food left outside to be smuggled in whom... When nobody was looking. A dozen times, Mr. Utterson, those notes were sent me flying all over London to wholesale chemists for a certain powder. But every time, soon after I brought it back, there'd be another paper telling me to return it because it wasn't right, sir. And this drug, sir, is wanted very badly. Then maybe it is, Jack Fool. Maybe... Oh, sir, do you think I wouldn't know my master after 20 years? That thing in there, Mr. Addison, had done away with Dr. Jekyll. Then who do you think it is in there? I give you my Bible word, Mr. Addison. It's that monster, Mr. Hyde. Mm, that's what I thought. Come on, we've got to break in. Yes, sir. We need an axe, something to pry the door with. Well, I have the tools here. I've also taken the liberty of sending a footman with the boy around over the by street entrance, just in case. And I have a gun here, sir. Good. But can they catch him if he tries to escape? They can, sir. Here's the axe. Here, here. Hold the candle. Right. I'm going to knock first. Right. Mr. Hyde, will you let me in? I can't see anybody. Go away. If you don't open the door, I'm going to break it down. Hutchinson, in heaven's name, have mercy. Leave me alone. Oh, stand back. If you value your life, stay away. We're coming in there, Mr. Hyde. No. Do you break down the door? I'll kill you. Do you hear me? I'll kill you. No. Mr. Anderson, wait. 
I'll unlock the door. Give me that gun, Paul. The door's unlocked. Open it and come in if you dare. Stand behind me, Paul. I'm going to push it open. Oh, it's the monster. Mr. Anderson has got a knife. Stay back from us, Mr. Hyde. Here you see evil incarnate, Mr. Anderson. And murder is my forte. So you have murdered Dr. Jekyll? Because he wished me dead. Now both of you shall die. Coming at us, sir. Stay back, Mr. Hyde. Anderson, look out. Now... Ah! He's dead, Paul. Then we must find Dr. Jekyll. His body must be here somewhere in the laboratory. Wait. Look. His face. It's changing, sir. It's... You're looking at the shell of an evil soul, Paul. Dissolving. Turning back to the form of its creator. But it's... It's Dr. Jekyll. What does it mean, Mr. Utterson? It means the evil man is Deadpool. For here lies the better half of his duality. Triumphant. This has been NBC Short Story. Today, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. Join us again next time when NBC presents Short Story. Let's take a music break with the Pied Pipers and then we'll be back for the CBS Radio Workshop. Doc Doherty writes from Southeast Africa and says, tell Bing Crosby next time he goes golfing to tee off on Bob Hope's nose. Reasonable. <laughs> Aside from all this, we're acknowledging receipt of another Junkers 88 nameplate from Corporal Crossman on the North African front and answering that 972 mail from Captain Brame. Three Okies, Shack Up, Twitchit, and Melon Tummy with a cute new novelty tune, Can't Get Stuff in Your Cup by the Pied Pipers. Can't get stuff in your cup. Can't get stuff in your cup. Can't get stuff in your cup. Cause you got no cup to get stuff in. You've heard of zoot suits and reed pleats, but Uncle Sam says they got to go. And when he says that's all, Jack, that's all, or don't you know? Still, there's one thing you don't have to worry about. Whatever else is on your mind Cause when you hang your trousers up This is what you'll find Can't get stuff in your cup Can't get stuff in your cup Can't get stuff in your cup Cause you got no cup to get stuff in Can't get a crease in your pleats Can't get a crease in your pleats Can't get a crease in your pleats Cause you got no pleat to get crease in No more zoot suits, no more repleats, no more nothing Right soon there's gonna be not much meat and little mutton Not even mutton? No! Can't get stuff in your cup Can't get stuff in your cup Can't get stuff in your cup Well, you can get the meat for hashing and can get Potatoes for mashing, but one thing They still ration, it's murder Can't get stuff in your car 
Thank you, Pied Pipers. And check in again right soon, will you? The CBS Radio Workshop, dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. Tonight, we present the mythical saga of a modern seer, a true tycoon of facts and figures, a molder as well as encyclopedist of public opinion, a man who, for more than a generation, had reason to pride himself in knowing what people thought and wanted, even before they actually thought or wanted it. A man whose every news release has been awaited with eager interest by paupers and presidents. A man whose pronouncements have often helped to shape national policy, crystallize business trends, and change the thinking habits of our people. A man, however, who one day accepted an assignment from the Lord of the Nether Regions and proved only fallible after all. The title, The Billion Dollar Failure of Figure Fallop. Our story centers in one of the many tall, teeming buildings which seem to reach for the sky from each side of New York's Madison Avenue. The building is one of those which house some of the world's most influential advertising and public relations offices. Those business concerns which so effectively persuade so many millions of us to change from white toothpaste to yellow, from yellow to green, and then again back to white. Firms which maintain headquarters in this building have made America filter-tip conscious, lured children into eating nourishing foods, and helped to convince women that they would be out of style if they didn't either raise or lower their hemlines each year. The accounts of some of these firms run into tens of millions of dollars. There is one whole floor in our particular building, however, which is occupied by an organization devoted to an entirely different form of enterprise. It neither sells nor promotes the sale of goods and ideas, except perhaps its own services. Instead, it explores the public mind and registers and tabulates its reactions to the merchandise of its clients, whether tangible or intangible. Figure Fallops, Factual Factotums. As our story begins, Mr. Argus Goody, the vice president in charge of operations and executive secretary of Figure Fallops, Factual Factotums, is entering the busy lobby of our building. A paper, paper. Top presidential campaign predict. Hello, Joe. Got my papers? Uh, sure, Mr. Goody. It's news, racing force. You wouldn't say that so loud, Joe. There might be potential clients around. They don't always understand. Sure, Mr. Goody. I'm sorry. Morning, Mr. Goody. Third floor, please. Yes, I know. Oh, no, it's an outrage. Sir? Swaps at Santa Anita. You know what? They're paying one to five. Yes, sir. Third floor, Mr. Goody. It's a disgrace. Oh, thank you. Yes, sir. Good morning, Shackle. Good morning, Mr. Goody. Well, Shackle, what do we got? Well, there have been a bunch of calls. Well, that reminds me. As soon as we're through, call Casper for me. Find out if he can't get me better than one to five on swaps this afternoon at Santa Anita. Tell him I'll put a hundred on him, but at better odds. Yes, sir. Swaps, one to five, one hundred, Hialeah. Uh, there was a call from Pretty Skin Soap. Could we do a survey for them that would show... That can wait. We got too many soap surveys now anyway. What else? Glowworm lipstick. Let it wait. Well, there were a half dozen more like that in the mail, and I guess they can wait, too. Oh, somebody from the Republican Committee called from San Francisco. Could we find out how Mr. Nixon stands in Wyoming? Oh, well, we might have to do something about that. They have some money. Call them back, Shackle, and tell them we'll take the job in principle, but they should wire us exactly what they want, and we'll wire them our acceptance and price. We better have something in writing. Uh, call committee, accept in principle. Wire requirements will confirm, quote, price. Well, I guess that's most of it, Mr. Goody. Have you heard from Mr. Fallop yet? There you heard. The old boy must be really living it up, wherever he is. I'm really looking forward to meeting him someday. 
You know, Mr. Goody, I have been here for nearly two years now, and I've never even seen Mr. Fallis. Neither have I. We're in constant touch by phone. Oh, I forgot. There's somebody waiting for you in Mr. Fallop's office. Look, Shekel, I've told you time and time again, I don't want to see people unless I know who they are and unless they have an appointment. Oh, but he's a doll. Just a doll. <laughs> Seriously, Mr. Goody, I don't think this is the sort of man even you would want me to turn away before you can talk to him. I told him you never saw anybody without an appointment, and then he said something about millions of dollars. Millions of dollars? <laughs> well, yes, Mr. Goody, that kind of talk is kind of persuasive. Did he look like a nut or something? Oh, no, Mr. Goody, I tell you, he looks like a real doll. Smooth, if you know what I mean. And kind of important looking. Well, I guess I'd better see him. Shekel, what's this joker's name? Oh, uh, he wouldn't say. Oh, one of those. How do you do, sir? How do you do, Mr. Goody? That is correct, isn't it? Goody it is, Mr. Uh, sit down. <laughs> I'm afraid I haven't had the pleasure. I suppose you mean my name. I didn't think I should explain to your secretary because, uh, well, you see, it is a bit out of the ordinary and it does require an explanation. Actually, if I may say so, I called to see Mr. Fallop, but I am told he's away. Uh, yeah, he's been away quite a while. We're in constant touch, though. Yes, so your secretary, a most efficient young woman, has told me. So I decided to wait for you concerning a matter that is most important to me. Uh, oh, my name, yes. Well, I prefer Lucifer, Mr. Goody. Just Lucifer. It was my original name, you see. Lucifer, huh? I have been called many other things, of course. Uh, Satan has been a very popular number. The Arabs make it Shaitan. Two dots on the eye. I have also been called Asmodeus, Asmorotti, Beelzebub, Samael, the Old Nick, Old Clote, and several hundred other names in many languages. <laughs> the devil, huh? Yes, Mr. Goody. That is another name people often apply to me, but I still prefer Lucifer. Okay, Mr. Lucifer. Maybe we'd better put it on the line. What can this firm do for you? This organization, I should have said, since we have branches and correspondents all over the world. Yes, 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 I know. That's why I came to you. You've been most highly recommended to me by one of the inmates of my, uh, establishment, whom I happen to be on a rather friendly, personal basis. He was once in charge of a rather major project, I believe. A nationwide survey as to the number of men and women who prefer to wear only the tops or the bottoms of their pajamas when going to bed. Oh, Charlie Faxwell. Yeah, I heard he passed on. <laughs> you may be happy to hear that Mr. Faxwell is now one of my most valued assistants. Oh, what do you know? Good old Charlie. I always knew he'd make good someday. Yes. Well, Mr. Faxwell told me something about these new methods of ascertaining what human beings think and believe and what they're likely to do. Yes, those we've got, Mr. Lucifer. By our organization predicted within 6% what Monaco would think of getting a new heir. Is that so? However, I frankly don't quite see in what way we can be of service to you, Mr. Lucifer. Well, it is a little complicated, I admit. Generally speaking, though, my problem could be described like this. And I shall depend on your advice for any additional findings. Uh, you see, Mr. Goody, during most of the thousands of years during which I have been in my unwanted position, due to a mistake I once made, my duties have really not been too arduous. A predictable, slowly increasing number of children were born upon this planet each year. Of those who lived into adulthood, a certain fairly predictable percentage went astray and thus became my charges. Uh -huh. But ever since your species has acquired a certain mastery over the physical forces, ever since you have acquired knowledge which perhaps you weren't ready for, in other words, ever since you've become civilized, as you call it, my establishment has been a madhouse. Why, in some years, millions upon millions of souls stream past me, and I don't have adequate facilities for them, nor an adequate staff to deal with them. In general, I seem to be in for a hectic time. And when I mentioned my problems to Mr. Faxwell, he told me about your polls, which had been so useful to him, and he suggested that I see Mr. Fallop. 
Uh, I suppose we down below should not neglect modern aid such as you was. Hey, excuse me, Mr. Lucifer. I don't know which one of us belongs in a bug house, you or me. But I'll play along with you for a little while longer. Now, I ask you again, just what did you have in mind? In mind? Well, it's quite simple, isn't it? I would like you to make a survey or a poll or oh, whatever you call it, which will tell me with reasonable accuracy how many new arrivals to expect during each of, say, the next 20 or 30 years so that I can plan my expansion program accordingly. Look, Mr. Lucifer, that would involve the whole world, wouldn't it? Of course, sir. And just how would you expect us to get you this information? I don't know, Mr. Goody. That's why I came to consult your organization. I understood from uh, the late Mr. Faxwell that practically any question is now subjected to the test of a survey and that your methods have been perfected to such an extent that you're capable of handling any of the normal difficulties you may encounter. Well, look, Mr. Elizabeth, uh, suppose, uh, just suppose that we agreed to undertake a survey. How would you expect us to go about it? I'm sure I can't give you any advice, Mr. Goody. That, I presume, would be your business. But I take it for granted that you and your staff know the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil, and that you have statistics covering the life expectancies of average human beings in your office, or could obtain them, perhaps, and uh, that by examining the behavior of a large number of individuals in various countries, deciding what percentage is evil and then comparing your figures with your statistics on life expectancy, you might be able to give me a fairly accurate estimate as to the number of annual arrivals I prepare for. <laughs> oh, my, believe me, Mr. Goody, I haven't held so long a speech or used so many long words since, well, it must be in the Old Testament somewhere. Mr. Lucifer, do you have any idea how many people such a job would take if it's supposed to cover the whole world and how much it would cost? As to the number of people you'd need, I'm no expert, of course. A good many thousands, I should think. As to money, well, Mr. Goody, I'm quite prepared to believe that a project of the magnitude I have in mind might cost up to, say, one billion dollars. Excuse me, Mr. Lucifer, I, I mean... Would you mind repeating that? Why, I merely mentioned that I would not be unprepared to pay a billion dollars for a survey of such scope. A, 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 a billion? Why, yes, yes, more or less. I hold a great deal of the currencies of various nationalities, you understand. Money which I was obliged to collect from new arrivals during all this time. Since you'll have to operate all over the world, I thought we might utilize some of this currency for the necessary expenses. I also have a fair store of gold coins, and I thought that some of those, perhaps, might be useful in countries for which I have insufficient paper currency on hand. You know that gold is illegal. Mm, not to receive it, I believe. Only to keep it. But perhaps you can find a profitable way to part with it. Okay, Lucifer, you got a deal. How do we make out the contract? Contract? Oh, you know, Mr. Goody, the only contracts I ever sign are signed with the blood of the other party. <laughs> and I only do that because some writers of stories about me insist that that is my method. No, 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 we don't need a contract. What I had planned was to make an initial installment of, say, $100 million to you. $90 million, as I thought of it, in various governmental and bank notes, and perhaps $10 million in gold for emergencies. That should be enough to enable you to start building an organization. And then, whenever you need more, you can just call on me, and if I should prove remiss, you can, of course, drop the whole project. Oh, I had thought, by the way, that about 15% of your total expenses would be a reasonable, clear profit for your firm. 15%? That would be uh, $150 million. <laughs> Something like that. And I'm prepared to throw in a few hundred thousand dollars for any official or member of the survey staff who distinguishes him or herself. Does that sound reasonable? Mister, you are nuts after all. On what bank are you going to give me a check? I for? was not proposing to give you any check, Mr. Goodey. Just the cash and the gold. Well, you mean out of that little satchel? Well, that's hardly bigger than a woman's handbag. Uh, nevertheless, here's your money. Italian, 50,000. Burmese, 40. Brazil, 70,000. Argentina, China, Australia, Austria, Yugoslavia. Siam, 
Nepal, Formosa. Well, that's the lot, I guess. Count it, if you wish. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to start. I can't even read the writing on most of these things. They look like money, all right, though. They are, sir. Now for the gold. About ten tons of it, I believe. Ten tons? Out of that little satchel of yours? Every million dollars is a ton. Here we go. Hey, hey, wait a minute. And now, goodbye, Mr. Goody. I shall expect a report from you. And uh, my regrets to Mr. Fallop at having been unable to make his acquaintance as well. Oh, no, no, thank you. I shall find my way out. What's the matter? Did Khrushchev get tight again? Give it to Mr. Ashburn. Kill from Hong Kong, sir. Uh, 439, repeat, 439, residence, jail for theft and burglary, week ending today. 2321, repeat, 2321, women and girls arrested for immorality. List of name follows airmail. Thanks. Give it to Mr. Ross over there, will you? Carlton, talk here, Mr. Goody. Give them to Mr. Askell with that third desk there. He handles Scandinavia. Mr. Haskell from Ohio is here, Mr. Goody. Oh, yeah, show him in. Sorry, Haskell, I didn't realize you'd come right along. I just wanted to report on that bank deal you asked about, Mr. Goody. It seemed a little too complicated for a letter. Yeah, what gives? Well, uh, nothing strictly illegal, but it sure wasn't strictly legal either, you see. Good work, Haskell, good work. Look, do me a favor, will you? Tell him Mr. Brubaker over there. He'll take notes on the whole thing. Yeah, this is Goody. Okay, shoot. Yeah. Survey of 525 London women indicates adultery up 31% nationally in the last 10 years. Yeah, I got it. Thanks, Bill. Hey, Shekel, Shekel. Yes, sir. I think we're really getting there. You know that idea of mine about borrowing a flock of Mr. Lucifer's girls? Well, that was a doggone near stroke of genius, if I do say it myself. What they did to Boston and Mason City. Yes, I know. And to a lot of other places, too. What's the matter, Shek? You ought to be happy. Don't you want us to make a good record? Well, sure, Mr. Goody, but... Stop being silly, Shaq. When a client gives you a job, he wants results. If he sells soap, he wants you to prove to him that people like his soap better than any other kind. If he runs a camp for kids or old folks, he wants you to find as many kids and old folks who can afford to go there as you can find. So what's the difference if we help some people along where they're going anyway? Uh, Mr. Goody, there's a gentleman to see you. He's waiting in Mr. Fallop's private office. Well, who let him in? I did, sir. He's... Our client. Our client? You mean Mr. Lucifer? Yes, sir. Oh, come on, Shaq. Let's give the big boy the word. Hello, Mr. Lucifer. Nice seeing you again. How do you do? How do you do, Miss Shekel? And you, Mr. Goody? You've read our preliminary reports, I guess. I have, and I've been somewhat saddened. Oh, well, uh, I can understand that since you've only seen the preliminaries. But I've just begun dictating the summary of our final report, and this will really make your eyes pop. We're going to wind up with only two holdouts. A character down in Central Africa somewhere and some preacher somewhere in Australia. Those girls of yours were a big help, Mr. Lucifer. Yes, I see. I wonder if we did not misunderstand each other, Mr. Goodale. Or shouldn't I call you by your right name, Mr. Fallop? Huh? Uh, <laughs> how did you know? Well, the devil's supposed to know something, isn't he? I mean, I do have some sources of information of my own. Do you know about this too, Shekel? Well, not at first, of course, but I did figure it out after a while. You see, Mr. Fallop, I suppose we might as well say now that deceptions are all very well, perhaps, but... Take these reports, for example. What's the matter with them? Aren't they what you wanted? Now, now let's see. Uh-uh. Mr. O.B. Smith, bank president of so-and-so forth, Ohio, 
Last year participated in an arrangement whereby a school foundation cost the city considerably in excess of actual valuation. Mr. Smith is estimated to have illegally profited to the extent of at least $10,000 from this transaction. Well? Well, did you trouble to find out that this same Mr. Smith has built at least one badly needed playground for children and has endowed several boys' clubs and Boy Scout troops? Why, it must have cost him several times as much as he could possibly have gained from this construction job, uh, about which, as your reporter himself admits, there was actually nothing illegal. Mm, even though there were some shady aspects involved, perhaps. Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, now, let us assume, Mr. Fallop, that you were one of the judges chosen to preside at the trial which all of your species must face someday. Would you condemn this man? Well, there was something fishy about that deal. There may have been, Mr. Fallop. But with a man whose entire life has otherwise tended toward the good, is that sufficient reason to condemn him altogether? Hmm? Now, Miss Farwell of etc., etc., is reported to have spent a week in Miami with a man not her husband. Did you actually know what, if anything, happened, Mr. Fallop? Well, I don't have any eyewitness accounts. I'm sure you don't, Mr. Fallop. I don't suppose it struck you as important either that Miss Farwell has spent her entire life taking care of a hopelessly paralyzed mother and two younger sisters. Yes, but what's the... Those things count, Mr. Fallop, when the final balance is struck. Uh, there is one thing, Mr. Fallop, that seems to characterize all this bosh. You apparently have never heard of qualities such as grace... Penance, indulgence, and all the other saving factors which make human existence tolerable. And sometimes even beautiful in an odd sort of way. I thought you wanted us to... So I did, Mr. Fellow, but I wanted to find out, not deal with loaded dice. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sure that you use the Ten Commandments and the list of the seven deadly sins as a guide. But didn't you try to tempt your subjects to violate those rules... Well, I... Those young ladies you asked me to send you. Well, you did want a good report, didn't you? A good one, yes, but a factual one. I fail to understand that you could think I would be so foolish as to want more, let us say, work than absolutely necessary. Miss Shackle, telephone from Rome. They say it's urgent. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Lucifer. Well, I'll be going, Mr. Fallop. I suppose I shall just have to go back to things as they've always been. To wait and see from year to year who will be assigned to my charge. It may be slightly uncomfortable and unsystematic, but at the moment I'm inclined to suspect that it has certain advantages over your modern methods. You see, Mr. Fallop, I'm still committed to the old-fashioned idea... That human beings are totalities with a spirit and integrity of their own. They may make certain mistakes, of course, but it seems to me that even those always have to be considered in the frame of the overall picture. Something your modern methods do not take into account. Mr. Goody. Mr. Goody, may I see you a minute? I'm sorry, Miss Elizabeth. I'll be right back. Oh, that's quite all right. Mr. Oh, I'm too confused to follow your different names around. There was a call from Rome. Yes? The money. Our office there says it's no good. They say the government that put it out went out of business a hundred years ago. What? And that isn't all. Mr. Brubaker tells me that Belgrade called him, too, and said there hasn't been any kingdom of Serbia since the First World War. Why, that... Mr. Lucifer, would you come here a minute? Certainly, Mr. Fallop. How would you like you to step into the storage room with me a minute? About this money. Let me see. Here's a pretty one. S-A-R-D-I-N-I-A, 1843. I always thought Sardinia was part of Italy. Well, so it is. So what good is this money? 
It's all 40, 50, 100 years old. Most of these governments don't even exist anymore. Oh, my oversight, Mr. Fallop. Time doesn't mean as much to us as it does to you, I suppose. I naturally paid you in the currencies I have accumulated from my guests over the years, and I must admit the time element never occurred to me. <laughs> At that, I suppose my money is as valid as your reports to me were. <laughs> Never occurred to you. Fine. Well, your governments do change rather frequently. Yeah, but all my money's tied up in this job. Every penny of it. And a lot from the bank. Well, Mr. Fellow, this is something I had not planned on. Oh, uh, what about the gold? Oh, I'd forgotten about that. If it is gold. It's gold, I should think. Unless the people from whom I obtained it were even worse rascals than I thought. Uh, this stuff is all old, too. I couldn't do anything with it. I would suggest that you turn it over to your government. Even if the coinage is old, the gold content should realize something. Me stuck with all those expenses. Oh, well, it, it may seem to you to be a bit out of character for me, but if you should incur any actual losses, I shall make them up for you. But no more. Well, I'll be in touch with you, Mr. Fallop. And, uh, do read a book sometime, will you? So many mistakes can be avoided if one has a certain amount of knowledge and understanding. Make up my expenses. Me with a billion bucks as good as me. Oh, well. Back to work, I guess. No more morals for me. So what gives? Just no dough, that's all. None at all? Well, he says he'll make up our expenses. Well, it might be just as well at that. A man from the Treasury and an FBI guy were here asking about some big money they heard we got and hadn't reported. Tell him to forget it. The stuff's no good. I'll call him. Oh, by the way, Eisenhower and Nixon got nominated again. Yeah, so I hear. We were right on that one anyway. Yes, but the National Committee called up. Would we pull Arkansas and Vermont for Nixon? Tell him no. I don't want any more of that kind of stuff. And the barber's union called. They want to know, will we make a survey, how women like to be kissed by men with beards? Seeing as how beards are coming back and all. Uh, I guess that's more our speed, Shaq. Sure, tell them sure. I'll call them, boss. And, uh, oh, yes, there's one more thing. There's a man waiting for you in the private office. Oh, no, Shekel, no. I told you oh, not to... Oh, but he's a doll. I just couldn't say no. All right, I'll see him. How do you do, sir? I'm Mr. <clears throat> a Goody, the executive vice president. What can I do for you? How do you do, Mr. Goody? I've been told by, well, actually a competitor, I suppose, that you've been conducting some valuable studies regarding human behavior. Well, I don't know. It was Mr. Lucifer, in fact, if you recall the name. Oh, yeah, I recall. May I ask? Uh, my name is Gabriel, Mr. Goody. I come from heaven. Heaven? Oh, no! You'll be listening to the CBS Radio Workshop and The Billion Dollar Failure of Figure Fallop, written by Henry E. Fritch, with Joseph Julian as Mr. Goody, Bob Dryden as Lucifer, and Elaine Rost as Miss Shekel. The CBS Radio Workshop is produced and directed in New York by Paul Roberts. This is Bob Hyde inviting you to join us again next week when from Hollywood we present Colloquy Number Three, A Study of Satire, with Stan Freeberg, a historical examination of satirical literature from Voltaire to the moderns. Stay tuned for five minutes of CBS News to be followed over most of these same stations by my son, Jeep. America listens most to the CBS radio network.
that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening. Thank you.